Welcome to Plant Crimes, a true crime podcast about botany. I'm your host, Ellen Earhart. This week, we're diving into the digital world of plant crimes. As a listener of this podcast, you've self-selected as someone who might have bought a plant on the internet. Delivery websites like The Sill, Logies, Amazon, and my personal favorite, California Carnivores, can bring some pothos or pitcher plant right to your door. But this convenience has a darker side. You might remember an incident from season one in which a guy allegedly bought some seeds of the world's smallest water lily, which is extremely endangered. And I only found out about it because he posted in a public forum. I wanted to do an experiment to learn exactly how easy it is to buy endangered and invasive plants online. So I challenged my good friend Leslie Nemo to a competition. Nemo is a freelance science journalist who writes fascinating stories about salamander tunnels, super blooms, and cactus rescuers. I asked her if she wants to see who could find some illegal plants for sale online the fastest. Cool. Okay, we're recording now. So, uh, rules of engagement. I kind of tried not to do any research about like what species of plants to look for. I have a huge unfair advantage here because I make this podcast and learned about the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species Appendices. If you remember, Appendix 1 is the most endangered, Appendix 3 is less scarce. Feel free to pursue any species you want. Any species. Please. So like anything okay. on the CITES list. Okay. Okay, anything on the CITES list, and then I go from there and just see if I can find one. Yeah. And you don't have to go on the dark web or anything. (laughs) (laughs) I knew this from Anita Livornia, who I interviewed before my competition with Nemo, which is probably another unfair advantage now that I think about it. She's an associate professor in criminology at the University of Southampton, and she's done research specifically on internet-facilitated wildlife trafficking. In other words, plant crimes. She says that since the plant sellers are trying to reach as many people as possible, and because the penalties for selling illegal plants are pretty mild, they don't really have any qualms about posting their wares on, say, Amazon. You don't have to go anywhere sneaky to find these. Some of the places you found were Amazon, right? And Alibaba. Very straightforward. (laughs) At the beginning of the project, we were wondering whether we had to, and we're discussing this with some of our project partners from law enforcement, whether we should actually start and look uh, into the, you know, the deep web, etc. But really, that was nothing interesting there. It's really about... uh, uh, you know, looking for uh, for customers as much as they can from the seller point of view. And you can quite easily find illegal plants or the illegal plant derivatives on a very common and generalistic online markets like eBay, Amazon, or specialized groups, even some nurseries websites. So it's extremely common. It's a type of activity that is very poorly monitored. Of course, it's not priority for for law enforcement. It's a very low-risk, high-gain type of activity for for people trafficking illegally in this type of uh, products. I emailed Amazon, Etsy, and eBay to check on their policies around these issues. Amazon and Etsy didn't respond to me, but the eBay representative was helpful and informative. 
She wrote that eBay works closely with regulators like the USDA in the U.S. and the Department of Agriculture, Water, and the Environment in Australia, along with international orgs like the International Plant Protection Convention Secretariat, in order to identify and remove prohibited items and build filters to prevent listings in jurisdictions where the item may be prohibited. According to eBay's publicly available plant and seed policy, all endangered plants and noxious weeds, which is a plant that's damaging to agriculture or horticulture, are illegal. But even if a tech company is trying to do the right thing, it's not easy to track down all the illegal plant transactions that are going on out there, says Lavornia. Yeah, and do tech companies try anything to try to limit these sales? It seems like that should be on them. Is that the case? I mean, formally, yes. Uh, unfortunately, what they are doing so far is not always that successful. So many of these companies, uh, of course, you know, they have some policies according to which it, you cannot uh, sell uh, things that are uh, illegal to be sold, of course. And some of them have also some specific policies uh, that go to, uh, a little bit more in detail uh, against uh, wildlife trafficking. The fact is that illegal plant trades uh, sometimes is not recognized, if you want, as wildlife trafficking because everyone is thinking about rhino horn or their foster animals and this type of things. So a lot of these things go undetected. And the other thing is that the usual problem of illegal trades online, it's very difficult to monitor something so vast as cyberspace. And so a lot of these things just go undetected. That's why we we tried as part of this project to develop something to facilitate automatic recognition of this illegal trade and a lot of the success for uh, for online monitoring comes generally by other participants to this market sometimes can signal if something uh, is illegal is uh, is recognized while they are browsing online etc the fact is that again this type of activities very often are not recognized as serious therefore it's you know there is not much follow up uh, sometimes which is why Nemo and I were eventually able to achieve our goals and find some illegal plants online. Ready, set, go. Okay. Um. Okay, I think I found one. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> I found I found one on the appendix 2 though, so I can look for one on the appendix 1. Do you want to hear what I found? Yes. Have you read Susan Orlean's book about orchids? I've read like half of it. A very responsible science journalist read like half of it. Yeah, it's very long. But also there's that movie adaptation. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's based on it. Have you seen that one? (laughs) No, I have not. In Susan Orlean's book, the ghost orchid is mentioned. Mm -hmm. But in the movie adaptation, it becomes an important point of the plot, as in, spoiler here if you're listening, in the movie adaptation, like, they roll up the ghost orchids and smoke them. Oh! And that's, like, a crucial part of the plot, is that you can use ghost orchids to get high, which you clearly can't in real life. Interesting. So I thought that after seeing that movie, people might want to buy them that seems like a pretty solid species to look for that's a good idea so I quickly googled the species name 
and then made sure it was listed on CITES, which it is, it's in Appendix 2, which means that the trade is not necessarily illegal but closely controlled, so you'd have to do a bunch of paperwork for it, and international trade would have to be authorized. So I found a sale on eBay. Interesting. Species, and also on a website called Elite Orchids, but they seem like they might be slightly more legitimate and maybe they would have the right paperwork. So Interesting. Do you want to keep going and I'll try to find one from Appendix 1 and you can continue your journey? Yeah. Wait, appendices? What do they mean? Do you think I'm more likely to find one in one versus the other? Appendices is just how endangered they are. Ah. And so correspondingly how hard they are to get and mm. like how much paperwork you have to fill out to trade them. Gotcha. So to remind myself, I just quickly looked them up, and uh, I can read them right here. Appendix 1 lists species that are the most endangered among CITES-listed animals and plants. They are threatened with extinction, and CITES prohibits international trades in specimens of these species. Interesting. Uh, except for scientific research. And then hmm. Appendix 2 lists species that are not necessarily threatened with extinction, but may become so unless trade is closely controlled. So that includes look-alike species that look like mm. species listed for conservation that people try to get instead of the original species. Uh, international trade in specimens of Appendix 2 species may be authorized by the granting of an export permit or re-export certificate. No import permit is necessary for the species under CITES unless a permit is needed in some countries that have taken stricter measures in CITES. And permits and certificates should only be granted if authorities are satisfied that certain conditions are met. Above all, that trade will not be detrimental to the survival of the species in the wild. Hmm. Appendix 3 is a list of species that include species that may be unsustainable or illegally Hmm. exploited. Huh. Appendix 2 species are less endangered than Appendix 1 species. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. If you're confused at this point, so are plant buyers and sellers everywhere. Lavornia says that some sellers might not even know they're doing anything illegal. One of the big problems is that the regulations, uh, international regulations behind uh, this type of illegal trades are uh, probably overly complicated uh, and sometimes uh, it's, uh, they're difficult to follow also for experts. So for you know, a seller selling this uh, alongside the thousands of other products, uh, sometimes it's really not that easy. To, to be on top of everything, I guess. So definitely there is, there is a lot of confusion in the market at the moment on whether something is illegal or not. Okay, back to our competition. Yeah, let's give us another whirl. Okay. <laughs> okay, I found another one, but it's out of stock. Hmm. I still, I think it's pretty close. I know from making the podcast that there's a lot of drama around cycads. For more context here, cycads look kind of like ferns or palms. They are known as living fossils like horseshoe crabs because they haven't changed much for 135 million years. And some of them can live to be up to a thousand years old. So these are pretty special plants. Mm. And so... I just looked on Wikipedia and looked at the list of species provided by CITES Appendix 1 mm. and looked for the cycads. Their species name is Cycus, and then Googled for sale. Wow. And this person is shipping them 
outside of the place where they live. Is that one of like the restrictions? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that would be illegal to export it outside the country where you live. Like these other one with the ghost orchids for Appendix 2, if you had the right paperwork. This person who has an orchid website particularly, they might know enough to have the right paperwork to ship it. But I'm pretty sure this other person I found on eBay would not. Is eBay like a hot spot for this? Livornia didn't win a single out any one company because most of the major tech platforms are doing a pretty bad job at this right now. I encountered some participants to, to these studies that were actually reporting that they reported uh, some activities as potentially legal uh, to some well-known platforms, uh, but uh, no action was, was taken. Wow. Can, can they say those platforms specifically? Uh, no, better. <laughs> I, I shouldn't probably mention that also because, you know, like, uh, of course, everything has been kind of uh, anonymized, uh, etc. But definitely there is a huge problem of awareness raising there, both for consumers, but also for tech companies uh, and but also, you know, like warehouse houses. They just don't know. They don't think of plants or plant derivatives of something that can be legal traded and something that can be uh, harmful for the, for the environment, of course, but also for the health. There can be phytosanitary risks, for instance. So definitely uh, awareness raising uh, is the first step to, uh, to counter these types of illegal trades. There's just not enough law enforcement with botanical knowledge to be effective here. This puts a lot on, we trust you to do it right, which is like, okay, okay. I mean, people won't, and they know that you don't know, and they know that you're relying on their knowledge. Yeah, yeah, that's... What's come up a lot in my reporting, there's the idea that these environmental officers are equipped to handle this sort of thing, but they Mm. don't get very much training. They're not Mm. botanists. They can't tell at the airport what kind of plant something is, Mm -hmm. you know. And so they have relationships with the USDA and people like that, but you're right, it's just impossible to regulate it all because so many things are shipped. Yeah. And like the depth of knowledge you'd have to have, like for some part, was every airport going to hire like a botanist? Yeah. And also the mm. fines for selling illegal plants are not high. And so mm. a lot of the times vendors count them as just the cost of doing business. Side note, most of the fines for these violations range from $500 to a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. And so they still make plenty of profit, even if they're caught on a regular basis. So you talked a lot about the difficulties and challenges in wildlife officers trying to monitor all of the entire internet looking for these online trades, not really having that much leverage in terms of fines. The fines are not high enough to be a real deterrent here. And also there's just not that many of them, as you mentioned in your paper. So do you want to talk about any more challenges in terms of finding wildlife officers who can monitor this stuff? Trades in endangered species uh, are not a top law enforcement uh, priority, despite the fact that they are very relevant and important from uh, from many aspects. So definitely there is a problem of lack of human resources uh, sometimes. So the whole point is how to make the monitoring and the scarce human resources that we have uh, as effective as, as we can. So some of the things that we were highlighting in our work uh, is the use uh, of some uh, uh, automatic system 
to, to recognize illegal trades that, of course, uh, can uh, not solve the problem. You know, this type of uh, artificial intelligence tools are never perfect, but definitely can relieve uh, a little bit the human resources, helping them to, to focus uh, on, on online places uh, that are more, more relevant uh, in specific points in time. And the other thing uh, that we were stressing uh, a lot in our work uh, is the need to improve the training, if you want, of people that are uh, actually dealing with this type of trades. So the training that nowadays is given is uh, quite limited, you know, a few days or a few weeks of training. However, this is a very specialized type of, uh, of enforcement. Think about an, a different type of illegal wildlife trade. I don't know, you are trying to smuggle a tiger, okay? You know, even if you are not a tiger expert, you can distinguish a tiger from a cat, right? Plants is much more difficult because, you know, for instance, you know, I'm a criminologist, I'm not a plant expert. We had the conservation scientists and plant ecologists in the project with us for, for those aspects. You know, if I see a cactus, I might see, okay, this is a cactus, but I may not be able to, like, just from a first sight to see whether this is something endangered or not, whether this is a site-listed species or not. So in order to have the type of understanding, uh, you need a lot of specialized training. This is something that takes a lot of time. So what we were suggesting is actually to have a more a sort of mentorship process alongside the formal training. And also definitely we were suggesting the possibility for law enforcement bodies to be able to uh, interact with experts, for instance, in plant ecology or biology as a way to facilitate the visual uh, identification of specific pieces. So, for instance, each port of entry, so airports or ports, should have constant access to media small team of professional experts, such as, again, biologists or plant ecologists within geographical reach to be able to support properly law enforcement. Hopefully the competition that Nemo and I did will someday be a lot more difficult. Do you want to keep looking? Let's do let's do one more. Let's give this one more one more go. Are young aloes called aloe pups? Oh yeah. Oh cute. I don't know if I'll find one. Yeah, which one of you tell me your research process so far? Okay, so that was a good idea to go to Wikipedia. That makes sense. Okay, before that, I was like, I wonder if I could search by like popular kind of plant. I was like, is there a fern that's listed here that, you know, people like ferns? Is there one there? And I, because I, I wasn't using the Wikipedia and I was like, okay, like other sites, ferns that are listed. And I was very confused. I did not get a good answer in terms of, okay, what are my options here? So then I was going through like the aloe options and then I ended up on Etsy for ones that were not, there were pups available, but they weren't specifying the species. They were just listed as aloe pups. That is where I was. And then I was like, well, I don't know. Should I keep going through the aloe options? Should I switch to something else? I don't know what the scientific name is for a lot of plants. When I searched, it was like a huge tree. And I was like, okay, the odds of someone buying a tree are lower than a small plant, right? So yeah, that is kind of what I was doing. So that's why I was looking at aloe, but that is where I left off. Yeah, which I think speaks to a good point, which is the CITES paperwork is confusing for buyers and yes. sellers. Like it's hard to find out what's listed. Yes, it is. It is like not the best search engine. 
I guess you can go by region and you can go by you can go by region and which what are they called again like the lists one two and three appendices appendices thank you when I was searching things your search doesn't match any taxa it's like oh do I can I only search by taxa I can't search by like generic name or not genus or anything like that but I guess I can go to full species list I don't know nope not going to download that that's very long (laughs) so yeah I guess it's not the most I love their logo real cute love the tail coming out from under the sea (laughs) Um, 10 out of 10 on the logo but the rest is harder to negotiate for this one I took a different approach after reading the eBay rules for plant sales because they forbid Mm. noxious weeds specifically Mm. and aphis the, from the USDA has a noxious weed list that mm. the PR person specifically linked to. So I had help here. Ah. And so then I looked on the noxious weed list, found a acacia, and I thought that might be a popular sales item. And so I mm. looked for it on eBay. And there is indeed 50 unit seeds for acacia uh, nilotica. I don't know if I'm saying the right Nilotica. Mm. And you can buy it now and they have a picture and everything. So that one wow. is specifically prohibited. But this kind of stuff too. Like we, we were talking earlier about the whole ivory thing is like the understanding of ivory. And of course that comes with people are more emotional generally about these big animals than they are about plants. It doesn't come for very few people. Does that come with the same degree of like empathy? Like more steps to getting to why it's a problem. This animal had to die for this thing for you to have. Okay, that's not good. Put it together. But plants are like, well, aren't, aren't all plants good? Don't you want me growing things? Can it be that bad to transport it? Okay, but you having them, maybe they don't belong in your environment. And that can become something that proliferates and pushes out other species or whatever it may be. The rationale to not do it is not because something else that clearly emotes is going to die. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of problems in the world. And mammals get precedence. Things that are more mm-hmm. similar to us get mm-hmm. precedence on our empathy scale. And so that's yeah. mammals. And then other animals like salamanders are below the hierarchy of mm-hmm. elephants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that yep. gets into in the barest reaches like plants. And then yep. beyond that, fungi. Some of why people want plants is because they're pretty. Right. Are there I don't know if you could do like a visual analysis of the plants that are popular when it comes to illegal trading, but I bet it's the ones that are like pretty or have nice colors or interesting shapes or whatever. Yeah, or are somehow useful. Exactly. Yeah, are useful. Right. If the ground cover my dad were to use were to ever become illegal and he were to sell cuttings, I don't think he could sell it. It's very just average looking. There's really nothing special to it. And so even within looking at this beauty comes with that. Then like, okay, like, do you, do you care because it's beautiful? Do you want to preserve it because it's beautiful? Do you not care because it's not pretty? Yeah, I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, do people get into illegal things accidentally? How often does that happen? I think in the plant world more often than in animal in normal life. When you're trying to buy things, I think looking for plants is pretty risky in terms of can you figure out if it's illegal can you figure out if it's shipped to you because you're right the scientist paperwork is confusing but on the other hand the punishments for it are not extreme so yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i was looking at the etsy thing and it just said aloe and okay well does that mean they don't 
do they know what kind of aloe it is? Because if they don't know, then was this a cutting they had from a friend that they've proliferated and are now selling? Like you don't, you could potentially not know where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I a suppose. point too. Yeah. Which leads to the question, what is the responsibility of the tech platforms that are facilitating these sales, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. That's so true. Yeah, that's so true. You're the marketplace, so you should be... Other vendors are aware of that. You wouldn't have a farmer's market and then be like, oh, oh, well, we have no responsibility because you admitted the vendor and you set up some parameters. For, I don't know. I don't know. I have analogy, no idea but... if the people who organize farmer's markets check the produce. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's a I really no interesting idea. question, though. Yeah, <laughs> it gets to a bigger question of what is the responsibility of these tech platforms that are running our lives right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They'll probably be good for the botany career, I suppose, if these places like actually hired botanists. Yes, true. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, botanical consultants. Yes. Amazon put like a ton of money into like Amazon spheres or whatever, which are probably empty right now. I love the Amazon spheres. Yes. Has tech ever paid a botanist before? Like that was probably (laughs) one of the first times, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, eBay has a relationship with the USDA, according Mm. to their, the PR person. But that's also the degree you talk about like responsibility of that is like, okay, well, you're using the USDA and making a lot more work for the USDA. Like, that's great that you have a relationship with them, but they now have so much more on their plate because of you, because you made these transactions so easy and so fast and so accessible to everyone. I don't know how you're supporting that public resource that you're tapping into, but you've made a lot more work for them. So I hope you could help them with it. Anyways, I suppose now is the time for, can you imagine a botanist employed by like Google or Etsy? (laughs) It should happen. It should be a thing. Yeah, for sure. It should be a thing. Since there's limitations on the human resources governments can devote to this problem, Labornia is trying to figure out ways to disrupt the market with the minimum of manpower. And so you have several other public policy recommendations around not just trying to get law enforcement who can meet these challenges, but also ideas like limitizing the market. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that especially because of the lack of resources and the nature of these illegal markets, it's important to move a little bit beyond the criminalization or focus on the law enforcement side of things and be a little bit creative. In the paper, we were discussing about lemonization of the market, which is it's really about disrupting the mechanism of trust between buyers and sellers in, in the online markets for endangered species so that it becomes a little bit more difficult and possibly a little bit less profitable for sellers to be active in this type of market. Then again, yes, law enforcement efforts and making this more efficient is definitely important. However, this issue really cannot be solved, in my view, without a lot of effort in raising awareness of illegal plant trade as a form of wildlife trade, which is too often still limited to iconic animal species in popular understanding. There is definitely the need to develop better policies of e-commerce, and here it's pivotal to raise awareness both with e-commerce companies. There is definitely the need to engage more with plant trading communities to raise awareness among also specialized plant traders and buyers, 
And finally, I think it's very important to stress some legislative considerations. Uh, as mentioned before, the, the current regulatory framework at international level is still uh, very complicated, possibly burdensome uh, and relatively difficult to comply with it, uh, especially if you are not uh, specializing in those type of trades. And without a little bit of simplification, uh, it can be difficult to move beyond this problem. Hopefully the competition that Nemo and I did will someday be a lot more difficult. But yeah, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really enjoyed listening to all your thoughts on this. Um, I hope they were coherent. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. A little housekeeping. I've decided to release an episode a month for the foreseeable future. Thank you to Leslie Nemo for your participation and Leslie, Larissa Zimberoff, and Zara Stone for being the first listeners.